Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life. And on this show every weekend, we celebrate food and its ability to feed your soul. I talk trends and travel, health, the environment, wine, mixology, and more. And whether you love to cook or just love to eat, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. I hope you'll visit chefjamie.com for my features, recipes, cooking videos, and more. That you'll become a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, where I share my daily shameless dish. And... I hope that you'll take your cooking skills to the next level just by staying tuned because we're heating it up in your radio with the grandest of guests, actually, to make your dishes come alive with flavor every week. But let me set the table for you today. He is one of the biggest names in food, a celebrity chef, a restaurateur, a TV personality, an extraordinary culinary teacher. He's an Emmy-winning and James Beard Award-winning gentleman whose passion and candor is loved by so many. I am truly a fan and proud to call him my friend. Yes, Andrew Zimmern is here, and he's sitting down to dish about his current shows streaming on Discovery Plus and his forthcoming new show on the Magnolia Network launching next year, 2022. And I am so delighted to have him back and in your radio, so please do not touch your dial because I guarantee he will satiate your appetite. But first... I like to kick off this show with a tutorial of sorts, a technique, a method, inspiration that will make you the best cook you know. And so, if I may, share my chef's tips, but first, ask you this. Do you have separation anxiety of the vinaigrette kind? (laughs) Knowing how to make a vinaigrette always comes in handy. And as basic as it sounds, there's really a beautiful method, some amazing science, and a couple of tips and secrets that I can share with you for really brilliant vinaigrettes. You'd be amazed how many email questions I get. And by the way, email your culinary queries to Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com, and I'll gladly answer them. You'd be amazed how many questions I get about how to make the perfect vinaigrette. And it's something that can be made in seconds with pantry basics, and it tastes so much better and fresher than bottled dressing. Really, the big question about vinaigrettes is not how, but why. Is emulsifying the oil with the acid really necessary? Why, yes, it is. So if you're salad savvy or you want to up your game, master the perfect vinaigrette, be a culinary hero, just give me a few minutes of your time here. So what exactly is an emulsion, you ask? At its most basic, it's what you get when you force two things that don't easily mix to form a homogeneous mixture, right? 
Now, in cooking, this is most often occurring with oil and water for all intents and purposes, right? Vinegar or lemon juice can be considered water because they behave the same way. Now, if you put them in a container and you stir them up, eventually they will separate. And there are a few ways around it. The first is to disperse one of the two, the oil, let's say, into fine enough droplets that water completely surrounds it. Now, culinary emulsifiers are molecules that contain one end that is that is attractive to water and one end that is attractive to oil. And those emulsifiers include egg yolks, Dijon mustard, my favorite, and honey, my second favorite. Now, you've seen Bobby Flay add honey to almost every vinaigrette he makes, and it'd be a great question for uh, Andrew coming up. Um, but most great chefs and the talents that you watch on TV use an emulsifier. Unless, of course, the trend goes back to broken vinaigrette. And then, of course, we'll just throw it all out the window. But at this point, you're probably thinking that, and I'm, by the way, thinking the same thing. This is all very neat, but what difference does it make in my salad, right? Because I want to just get to the salad. The moral of the vinaigrette story is that unless you emulsify your vinaigrette, you do end up with a pile of leaves that are dressed in oil and a pool of vinegar at the bottom of the salad bowl. And it completely destroys the beauty of the salad. I think that a beautifully emulsified vinaigrette really balances flavor in every mouthful. So here goes. The basic ratio for vinaigrette is one part vinegar to three parts oil. If you substitute something less acidic like lemon juice for vinegar, sometimes you'll lessen the oil accordingly depending upon your oil of choice. Now, as with anything, you will get the best results if you use the highest quality ingredients. And to make a standard vinaigrette in classic French fashion, you need both hands... But in my culinary opinion, you need only one finger, and that is to touch the button on the blender. Yes, I believe that the blender is often the tightest emulsion that lasts the longest in the fridge. So I place the vinegar and the seasonings in the base of my blender. I turn it on and I turn it on slowly. So you you need to have um, a varying speed blender to master the emulsified vinaigrette in a blender, but it is completely doable. And I slowly drizzle in the oil to make an emulsification, an emulsified dressing. Now, you see it come together. It gets thick and beautiful. And you don't want to go past the point of emulsified because oftentimes the vinaigrette will break. And it's really mastering your own appliances and the technique itself. Now, you can make a beautiful vinaigrette by hand using a mixing bowl and a whisk. I recommend you stabilize the bowl using a damp towel. You wet a kitchen towel and uh, wring it in a circle on the countertop, then set the bowl on top, right? It's wrapped around the base of the bowl for stability. And then you need to whisk and pour the oil at the same time. But if you add a small amount of Dijon mustard, that emulsifying agent, or you drizzle in some honey to the vinegar, even a roasted garlic clove works terrifically, you will get help in binding together the oil and the vinegar, guaranteed. You do want to pour the oil in a slow, steady stream, no matter what, however you're making the vinaigrette. And then you want to enhance the flavor, herbs, shallots, citrus zest. I think that the best vinaigrettes have big, bold flavor. 
And a basic vinaigrette for me is champagne vinegar or white balsamic, Dijon mustard, salt, pepper, honey, and olive oil. You could make it lemon parmesan or add chopped fresh thyme and parsley or tarragon. You could throw in crumbled blue cheese once the dressing is emulsified and get uh, really texture and flavor at its finest. But that is the best of a vinaigrette. And there's lots more inspiration, by the way, at chefjamie.com. Have questions? Just email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com. And by the way, shaking in a mason jar, even with a little bit of Dijon mustard, not always a vinaigrette guarantee. And so that was the technique of the week. Here's some food news you can use. I love this. Okay, I was reading TikTok trends. Did you know that those Biscoff cookies that we all love have 34 million hashtags? I know. But what has more? The most popular classic cocktails numbered one to 10 by rank. I love this. The margarita has 395 million hashtags. Cheers to that. Next is the mojito with 252 million. The mimosa ranks high. Oh, that sounds good right about now. 232 million, in fact. The martini, the pina colada, sangria, tequila sunrise, Moscow mule, a daiquiri, and a mai tai. In that order, ranked 1 to 10. But yes, the most popular cocktail on TikTok is the margarita, classically made with tequila, lime juice, and triple sec. And then next, by the way, the spicy margarita. But pretty cool, don't you think? Just to know what everybody is drinking. I think it's fabulous. By the way, uh, these tallies were determined by brewsmartly.com, where you'll find lots of fabulous rankings and insightful culinary information and more, in fact. Very cool. All right. Nothing cooler than this guy, I got to tell you. I am so excited because, as you heard, beloved by so many, including me, one of the most knowledgeable personalities in the food world, Andrew Zimmern of Bizarre Foods, the franchise, is here. Stay tuned. I promise you more delicious conversation right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio. When I say we have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show, I mean it. Andrew Zimmern is something of an enigma in the food world. He does it all. From celebrity chef to restaurateur to food critic to TV personality to grand culinary teacher to children's author, he is an Emmy-winning and four-time James Beard award-winning gentleman. We love him, of course, as the host of Bizarre Foods franchise and his MSNBC series, What's Eating America. It's his latest project that he's dishing on called Family Dinner. 
currently streaming on Discovery Plus and will air on Chip and Joanna Gaines' forthcoming Magnolia Network next year, 2022. And so he joins us live to dish. And I am so delighted. Andrew, welcome back. Hello. Oh, hi, Jamie. Thank you. That's <laughs> Very, very, very kind of you, and you're exaggerating tremendously, uh, but I appreciate it. (laughs) Folks should also know that they can go to magnolia.com and download the Magnolia app. The app itself is super cool, I have to tell you. I mean, so interactive and so much time and energy and passion poured into it. You don't often see... Um, a network, and I call it that because it's um, multi-platform, right? You don't often see a network launch new content and such talent the way that Magnolia is. And I would love to know if you would share with all of us the the making of family dinner. I, the the sure. concept is glorious, but it gave you an opportunity to travel again, and we know you love that. Well, well, sure. You know, it's it's it's. It's funny you say that. You don't often get a chance to join a new network. Sure. Um, and that, that was something that intrigued me tremendously. Um, it's also a new network that has been created in partnership between two people who are friends of mine and a company that I had worked for for a dozen years. So, it, I mean, it's, it, it, it was a natural fit for me from a business proposition. But the most interesting thing about it, uh, Chip, Joe, and, and Allison Page, who, uh, who, who runs the network, uh, you know, they approached me and said, we'd like a, an intuitive content show, which is our production company that makes TV for both myself and lots of other folks uh, out there, and uh, digital and linear. Mm-hmm. And they love our look and feel and our storytelling when it comes to food and travel and they wanted a show from Intuitive, and, and we sat on a Zoom call, and they said, do you have any ideas? And I said, yes, family dinner. And they said, explain that. And I said, I want to, you know, someone should go around the country and, and dine with families mm-hmm. uh, because it's important that we celebrate not only our commonalities as, as human beings, but we have to celebrate our differences. And th- th- that comes out over the family table. And We've disintegrated the family table consistently over the last hundred years, and we need to start reintegrating that into our lives. We need to spend time together. I've been struggling with that with my own family, where, you know, Friday night, everyone was around the dinner table. Uh, And, you know, my new travel schedule, I fly home from taping almost every Friday morning, so I'm home on Friday nights as often as possible. We want, we want everyone to be happy, and we want to love each other, and we want to honor each other, and we want to respect each other. And those are values that come across in the show that is wildly entertaining with phenomenal food. <laughs> yes. is a rip-roaring, exciting journey through mm-hmm. the half hours. We get to know these families and eat with them, and I think people are going to love the show. Right now it's doing extremely well. Uh, we're really excited about it, and uh, I'm just thrilled about today's big premiere. Yes, and we are for you as well. There's something about the family dinner table and the way that you share it that I think reminds us all of the connection through food, the cultural connection that really um, melds families, that creates uh, the, the lessons that we learn. Andrew, I, I know you know I have a new son. I am a new mommy. And the lessons we learn at the high chair, the kindness factor, uh, learning words, I mean, from the very basic all the way up to sharing at the family table, uh, the dynamics of the family itself, but also the history of your family and the new history that you create, those memories, there is nothing 
like that. And so your reminder, your instilling in all of us, the reminder of the family dinner and its importance is so deep to me. It really is. Well, and We've never been more divided. Isn't that true? We've never been more polarized as a nation. Those aren't my words. Uh, every newspaper in America uh, says the exact same thing. Yes. And so what do we do about that? Well, I believe that you start in your own communities first and foremost, right? There are some people who are good at going to Washington and lobbying, right? So, uh, you know, I'm one of those people. But I believe that the most important thing I do is start with my own family around me. If I'm going to preach connection, but yes. I'm not doing it in my own, in my own home, I'm representing a falsity, of right? Of course, you're not so, setting that example, so sure. We, we need to do this together. I, I, we shot a show with a fourth, fifth-generation uh, group of cranberry farmers in Wisconsin, right? Oh, how cool. And we had four generations under one roof. We had great-grandma all the way down to great-grandchildren. And at one point, great-grandma is uh, teaching one of her youngest grandchildren for the first time how to make the family's traditional cranberry bread, right? Now, these are, this is a cranberry family, five generations of cranberry farmers uh, in Wisconsin, right? And so many people thought that that scene was one of the most emotional they've ever seen. I, 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 collectively, when that episode dropped, you could feel, you know, millions of viewers, you know, all shedding a tear at this point. By the way, it's a very happy scene. There's, there's nothing uncomfortable going on. No. But that's because none of us, or so few of us, I should say, right. have that opportunity to have our great-grandmother help us with our own six-year-old hands shape a piece of cranberry bread. But to see it is to understand its importance yes. and its value yes. and to feel what that means for that grandchild, mm. a great-grandchild, and for that great-grandmother. There's an unselfishness there yes. that I think we're short on in this country. Yes. And this show, in an entertaining, rollicking romp, mm. defines fun and family. I think people are going to love it. And I'm so grateful uh, to you for letting me uh, oh, share you. that with you and your audience thank and to you. get a chance to talk to you again. So thank me you. Too. Thank you. It is a powerful message. It is a beautiful show and we will loyally watch. I will never forget, Andrew, when you designed your creation of five questions, you used to pose queries to chefs and I had the absolute privilege of gracing your website with those five questions. So I was going to give you five foods, but I know we're out of time. Just well, share. Yeah. Reconnect, reconnect with us. And I'm happy. To Will come you come on. back and do five foods? I, oh, I love uh, it. Okay. Cause uh, I want you to know, I just bettered my chicken parm because of you and I'm right steaming on. muscles because I was salivating watching you do so. That's dinner tonight. Thank you oh, again, thank you, Andrew. Jeff. Please come, come grace the show again. Thank you, Most thank certainly. you, thank you. You stay well. We'll talk to you soon. Congratulations. Thank you, Andrew. And congratulations on the new baby. <laughs> thank you, thank you, kindly. In family dinner, he visits families across America to explore how the cultural, the regional, and the historical facets of who we are inform what and how we eat. It is launching, uh, or has launched, on Discovery Plus and through the Magnolia Network. You can find it on the Magnolia app as well. He is Andrew Zimmern, one of the best. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio doesn't give better than that. Stay tuned. There's lots more to dig into right after this.
There's delicious conversation right now in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Danielle Oron, the founder of the much-beloved blog, I Will Not Eat Oysters, and the now-famous recipe that took the internet by storm, her salted tahini chocolate chip cookies, has a new cookbook out, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into it, literally. Danielle cooks the way I love to cook, and the way I'm sure you aspire to cook. Food You Love But Different is Danielle's love letter to her favorite foods, the easy, comforting ones that we all go to time and time again, but better. She says, yes, make mac and cheese, but try it with borsan pepper cheese and you will feel like you've reinvented the wheel. Miso, balsamic, and caramelized onions added to angel hair. Oh, yes, I'm in. The cookbook releases on Amazon this week. And trust me, the food world is really excited. And I am delighted that Danielle Oron is here to dish. I'm glad to have you. Hi, Danielle. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you. Congratulations. The book is truly luscious. I mean, I, I wanted to lick every page. And dish after dish, I mean, I can't wait to cook from it. You were a restaurant chef and a bakery owner. Now you cook at home. You test recipes for mega food sites. You have a very successful blog. And I find it fascinating that you're all about keeping the meals interesting, but you are not about fuss. No, not at all. No. I I used to make my own aioli. I used to make huge birthday cakes. But, (laughs) you know, after starting a family, I realized that there's a lot more important things in life. And simplifying my food life feels a lot better to me now than it did a few years back. Which I love because I think you've kept that level of, not professionalism per se, but the elevation of great food at home. And you're making it super simple. I mean, it's easy. Um, Let's cook because as I said, reading your book made me hungry. Let's start with breakfast. You definitely elevate scrambled eggs. Yes. And I mean, Everyone makes scrambled eggs. It's like that easy go-to thing in the morning. It's protein-filled, but it could just get so boring. Like, how much scrambled eggs with toast can you have? So I found that adding just a little bit of um, spice and a little bit of different, maybe like fresh tomatoes, and tossing it together just gives the scrambled eggs a whole new life that, you know, elevates them and you really don't need to buy anything extra i open up my fridge i find my onions there's some cherry tomatoes chop those up make the scrambled eggs while that butter and oil is kind of melting in the pan you add the spices to bloom them yes and then you just make like a little saute of vegetables add the eggs and it's done and it's delicious and fast and easy And it, you know, wakes you up. You are all about your spice cabinet. And we know that, you know, you have a passion for tahini, but we'll get to that. You're all about turmeric and those really bold, I would say, uh, big flavors. And a little goes a long way there. But there is a a wake-up factor to them. What else do you you go to? What do you reach for? Believe it or not, I reach for curry powder a lot, (laughs) which is something I learned from my dad. Um... It's just that mixture of spices that it's a little spicy, a little warm, a little, just a little bit of everything that wakes it up. So curry, turmeric, paprika, cumin, those are definitely all my go-tos. Yeah, I I love all that big, bold flavor. Um, Okay, I'm moving on from breakfast. I alluded to your mac and cheese. 
it has two ingredients. And like you, I am a Borsan fan. It's a genius ingredient. It is. So many different things. And I have loved it since being a child. Um, I've loved the herb one. And my personal favorite is the one I use in this mac and cheese is the pepper bursant. I think it's just so bold and delicious and creamy that it just, it really does lend itself to a mac and cheese that's almost like a cacio e pepe, mm. but um, just it's it's my favorite. Borsant is hands down the best cheese out there, and you can hate me for it or not, but no, that's no, the way I feel. No, there's there's no hate here. All love because I will tell you, you can keep Borsan, the one ingredient wonder, in your fridge and make a multitude of things that to me impress. So the pepper borsan is your thing. The herb and garlic is mine. And I make a two-ingredient cream spinach using frozen chopped spinach squeezed very, very dry and that garlic herb borsan. And you could spread it on toast and top it with anything. And it is genius. It has that bold flavor like you talk about. And texturally, it's the mouthfeel that there's no duplicate for. And it's great cold with crackers and it melts. So, so beautiful. Beautifully. You simply boil cavatappi, which I love cavatappi. It seems to really take sauce well. And you mix in the pepper borsan and dinner's ready. Yes. And all you have to do is just keep some of that pasta water like you would with any pasta and just keep going, mixing and tossing the pasta, adding a little bit more of the water at a time until you get that really creamy, rich sauce. So it really is a two ingredient dish and my favorite and I've made it over and over and over again. I think it's brilliant. Let's stay on pasta and talk your angel hair. I thought it was so funny to read in the introduction. What is it that people say about angel hair? Because I love it. Angel hair is like my (laughs) excuse to have pasta with less guilt. Like, oh, but it's just angel hair, right? I love it. I've heard it being called garbage pasta, the like trash pasta, just all of the nasty names. That's so funny. I really do love it. It like sops up everything that it comes with. And like, you know, a lot of times you go to any Italian joint and you get that like chicken milanese and it comes with that side of angel hair that's just got some like red sauce dumped on top. I love it. I don't get it because what I think is so brilliant about it is it's more sauce to pasta than pasta to sauce. Like the ratio is the way I like it because I'd rather have everything in it than just the pasta. So you do caramelized onions, miso, and balsamic. It's a really creative combo. And it works so well together. There's an acidic um, element. There's the miso, which adds a lot of that umami, and the caramelized onions does as well. It's just, mm. it's very earthy, and um, mm. it's just a, a deep flavor that develops. Um, I mean, it's a pain in the butt sometimes to make caramelized onions, but when you do it right, it's, it's done. It's all there. The dish comes together in five minutes after the caramelized onions are done. Yeah, and it's just, um, I make a big batch of caramelized onions. The, the one recipe that people will look over, but I'm happy, so happy we're talking about it. Yeah, no, I I will tell you, that's the first thing I will make from your book. And when I make caramelized onions, I make a great big batch and I keep them in the fridge and I call them glass and a half of Chardonnay caramelized onions. Because if you take your time and patience and you sip slowly, the caramelized onions turn out deliciously every time. And then, yeah. It's it's a labor of love. Yes. But once it's done, you're right. If you have it in the fridge, it's like, you know, spread it on toast oh, and, yeah. and toss it, you know, with 
anything, anything. It's just, I, I love caramelized onions. Mix them into sour cream with mayonnaise and you have a dip. Uh, opportunities are endless. Uh, okay, pork chops for dinner tonight. This is a quick go-to recipe. And again, a very inspired combination. Would you talk about um, Urfa? That's another go-to spice of yours. Yeah, so Urfa is just, um, it's just a chili flake. Um, um, it's Turkish, Turkish, if I'm not mistaken. And it's got a very, very unique flavor to most of the other, you know, pepper flakes I've tasted. It's got a very smoky, raisiny, dried fruit type of smell to it that really develops um, when it when it opens up. Um, I make a pico de gallo and make it a little spicy mm. and a little bit, you know, with a deeper flavor, I add the earth to it. So just your generic um, pico de gallo with a lot of tomatoes, garlic, onions, cilantro, lime juice, and then that eartha is what really kind of makes it shine and, and mm. really elevates it. And with anything you can find to put it in, uh, the famous salted uh, tahini chocolate chip cookie of yours is posted everywhere, much lauded by Food 52 as a genius recipe, the New York Times as well, um, but also on your blog. And I will tell you, I cannot wait to cook from your book. Congratulations on a second stellar release and kudos to you. Thank you. Yes. uh, And continued success to you. Please continue to cook so that uh, we can all be inspired by you and know um, that Angel Hair will be on my table for dinner tonight. Awesome. I can't can't wait. This is Food You Love But Different, the title of Danielle Oron's Elevated Everyday Recipes, the new cookbook releases this week. And let me tell you, it is luscious. So please check it out. Available for pre-order right now on Amazon and in fine bookstores everywhere. You can learn more and follow and be inspired on Danielle's blog at I Will Not Eat Oysters and on her social media tag at that same name, the salted tahini chocolate chip cookie that you must make is also on the blog as well. Danielle, a pleasure. Please come back soon. I'd love to have you. Will do. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, we do have the best culinary thinkers on this show. And if you're not hungry already, well, I don't know, grab a snack and come on back. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, feeding your soul and living the best life. Everybody is beautiful. And if you're going to the beach and you want to impress, it is not too late for summer fun. Here with the best exercises to get you tight and toned and sculpted. And I'm always thrilled when she stops by to whip us back into shape, both mind and body, Lise. I always feel like I leave our conversations with something mindful to think about. So I'm so glad you are once again here. Hi, I know you are healthy and well. It's my pleasure. And you know it, um, it all starts in our mind. Yes, I, I know it does. There's no doubt. I mean, sometimes just getting myself into the mindset of, okay, I'm going to yeah. get go to the workout, get to the workout, do the workout 
is three yep. quarters of the battle. I feel better once yep. I start. Can we that, talk? That's the most important yeah. exercise we all could do, regardless of what issue we're facing in life from financial to relationship is our mindset. Yes, I, I agree. And, and I, I hear you. Um, talk the new normal, please, because I thought it was interesting when you and I dished prior to this conversation that the new normal affects the beach bod. <laughs> it does. Oh, yeah. More, more than people think. And I'm hearing this um, all day long in email, text, you know, I am behind the scenes. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. They've got all the symptoms you mentioned, stress, cravings, can't sleep. They went to the doctor, and now they have an autoimmune disorder that the doctor wants to double-check, and then all my endocrinologist friends confer and, and, and validate the same thing. They're diagnosing between 10 and 20 new cases of autoimmunity a week, and I call it. It's like an odorless gas killing us all, and no one really knows, and it is called stress, but it's effects on our body. That does not mean that we are faking the symptoms. Like in the beginning of this, I had some huge... I'm in menopause, so having sleep issues is, you know, pretty normal. But I mean times 10 on steroids bad. And then headaches that I couldn't get to go away because of inflammation. And I kind of knew, I knew it was stress, but I was afraid maybe it's something more. Maybe I have COVID. Stress was underneath all of that. So So that is is personal and near and dear to my heart. Yeah, no, of course. And and I can um, empathize, sympathize, and very much relate because I'm juggling too. Is stress yeah. the one thing that you, I mean, you could take a stress test, and I, I don't know much about that, but is that the one thing that, that lurks underneath all of the issues you mentioned? Yes, and I'm actually working on, um, like, if you take your dog to the vet, they're so smart. They have these specific texting questions, like five of them, that put it on, like, a pain scale, if you will, on a scale of one to five. And while most of us, like I do say to myself, on a scale of one to five, how stressed am I? Usually it's about 12 and a half. And then I have a feelings magnet as a mom with kids who need help navigating. And overwhelmed is always mine. And so any ailment, we, 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 I think doctors don't say this enough because, quite frankly, there's not much money making in it. And we want to leave with a prescription and a written thing. And the truth is, the prescription is you have to reduce your stress, which sounds so easy put that way. No, but, but it isn't. And I think over the years that you have graced this show and I have learned from you, the stress makes me crave. Uh, the stress makes me right. ache. It has so many side effects. Triggers cravings and hunger. It does trigger cravings and hunger. The factors, yes. And also for me, moodiness. Oh, yes. Okay, so give us some tips, tricks, tools. If I want to achieve the beach body, I need to manage my stress. And you do that through workouts and good health. Yeah, it's a full-time job for me, too, for the record. But I have a little bit of a committee that I speak to, you know, that voice in our head that says, you can't, don't bother, it's not going to work. I tell, shush. And second, you can choose your hard. You can stay here and choose your hard, or you can choose to feel empowered. And I don't like feeling vulnerable and powerless, so I love things like sleep better and what you can do naturally. Um, And why is that important? That is the number one way to improve your stress. It's not to stop and meditate, believe it or not, and it's not to go to the gym because, frankly, exercise can add. It does, not can. 
a whole extra additional layer to your cortisol, Mm -hmm. the hormones that are secreted more and get uber-elevated when we're stressed out, especially for chronic long periods of time. And that is the one thing doctors aren't saying enough. And you could say, "Ah, I'm easy going, like I am pretty loosey-goosey all day. But tell that to your body because even happy stress is stress this stress, and every time we get used to a new normal, it changes again. So our bodies are really paying the price. And the best thing you could do is work on sleep hygiene. Lisa is dedicated to helping you get in the best shape of your life, physically, mentally, spiritually. For more than 30 years, she has devoted her career to personal training, uh, specializing in metabolic weight loss and performance nutrition. And you can get all the tips you need and work your whole body and read the blog at LynnFit, L-Y-N-F-I-T dot com. And then follow on social because there's fabulous videos and insight and morning smoothie recommendations at Lisa Lynn Fitness. Lisa, I'll talk to you midsummer. I'll let you know when I get my beach bod, but I will sleep tonight. I promise you that. You've got it. My pleasure <laughs> as always. Thank you, my friend, as always. And so that brings us to the end of a truly fabulous hour of delicious conversation. I hope that it inspired new recipes, new insights, new TV shows to watch for you, and that you will share your passion for food with me in the coming weekends as I love sharing my passion with you. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic ideas for this week. Okay, pasta for the win. Last night for dinner, I made creamy lemon rigatoni with just three ingredients and it was delectable. All I did was stir together a log of herbed goat cheese, or you could substitute a cup of ricotta cheese if you like, with some of the water from the rigatoni that I cooked in a great big pasta pot. And that hot water and the goat cheese came together and it was creamy and lovely in a big mixing bowl. Then I added the freshly grated zest of one lemon And I tossed in the hot pasta and added a little more pasta water just to get that smooth, lovely, beautifully coated noodle consistency. I threw in some fresh basil from the garden and I almost ate the whole bowl. Yes, it was that good. I'm posting my creamy lemon rigatoni on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen now. And I hope you'll steal the recipe. And please meet me here next weekend when I guarantee there will be lots more fabulous food in your radio. Please stay healthy. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you also continue to eat well. 